three distinct energy signatures, three unique disincarnate identities. Who were these and why were they here? Coming into the investigation, I had known of Lady Lisa, the spirit and ghost that so many had affectionately come to know at the Hotel Majestic. However, these other two were different. And why such a distinction in both energy and emotion between these three figures? What exactly was I getting myself into? Well, soon enough I would come to discover the true identity of all three figures and how exactly they interacted with each other and those who found themselves staying at the Hotel Majestic. Indeed, as I would continue to dig deeper to connect with this place and the profundity of this space, I would find more than I could have ever imagined. What awaits us when we wander into the ways, the wonders, and wilds of the weird, where magic is real, where within deep mystery our mind steals, and where the very fabric of reality begins to peel. From haunting ghosts to Freemason gridlines, from malevolent entities to geopathic ley lines, this intuitive investigation case dances on the very edges of belief and reality. Withhold all that you believe and think that you know, and open your mind to join me as we investigate and explore these wonderful wonderings and so much more in this The Quantum Wizardry Podcast. The nature of tonight's episode discusses and explores experiences concerning death, the supernatural, and topics that may be inappropriate for a younger and more sensitive audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Quantum Wizardry Podcast, Season 1, Case 1, Episode 2. So as we left off last week, sort of a cliffhanger there in terms of the now three uh, apparitions, spirits, ghosts, who found themselves as guests, both willingly and unwillingly, at the Hotel Majestic. Coming into this episode, I want to pick up from where I had left off, previously talking about these sensations that I had experienced, as well as where that led into the true identity of these three spirits, why all three of them found themselves stuck at the Hotel Majestic, and how this ties into a much larger energetic ecology that exists to this day in the city of San Francisco. 
So welcome back, all of you listeners, to episode two, where we're going to be diving a little bit more deeply into all of this. Now, where I had left off last week was expanding my awareness to be able to take in a little bit more the sensations of the hotel itself. Now, in doing that ties back into this whole concept of quantum wizardry, being able to utilize what I would identify as interdimensional tools and techniques to be able to operate within this plane of existence. And as such, in expanding my awareness and being able to feel sense into what exactly was happening, the identity of these disincarnate spirits then came to question. Coming in, I had known about one for sure, and that was Lisa Schmidt, who was the daughter of the industrial industrialist Milton Schmidt, who had created, built, and established the Hotel Majestic first and foremost as a family home in 1902, and then eventually becoming a hotel. And to this day, still continues to operate as such and is known as the Otis Hotel in San Francisco. Now, the reason of this is really interesting, which we'll get to a little bit more uh, in depth in episode three. For now, who were these spirits and why were they here? Well, as I continue to expand my awareness, sensing into it, the sensations were really very interesting. The most prominent, I would say, sort of the alpha of the group, uh, acknowledged my observation and was pretty pissed about it. The second, also female, was different in terms of her sensation. The last, the weakest of the bunch, was a male energy. And this one really felt both desperate as well as hopeless. As I really started to feel into this, they, within my feel sense, and to kind of go a little bit deeper with that, as I expanded that globe of awareness, think of a small sphere that may begin with inside of your body, and it continues to grow beyond the boundaries of your body, even then beyond the boundaries of the room that you are sitting in, then beyond that into the entirety and totality of the building that you're dwelling in. And I'll just imagine that in doing so, you're able to sense, to have a feel of what may be in existence there. Now, in this case, as I did that, I was specifically looking for spiritual signatures or energetic identities. And that's how I began to sense into not just the one that I was already aware of, of all three. Now, this spurred obvious questions. And as I then began to close my awareness again this was in room 407 and the strongest the alpha if you will was really pretty pissed about the fact that i was there and it's interesting because as i closed my awareness brought that sphere of awareness back into my body went through my process of cleansing which if you're ever in any sort of spiritual and even just day-to-day -day activities 
uh, it's always good to exercise a certain degree of spiritual hygiene. And so I did my clearing and I did my cleansing and I exited the room. And in doing so, for me, I'm in an altered state of awareness, an altered state of consciousness. And so I went to go ground. I went outside and did some techniques to get back fully into my body. And then just started to take note of my experience. Now, this led inevitably to more questions. And so as I started to dig, it was very interesting because I started to speak a little bit more with the manager at the time. And he had mentioned that part of the reason that he was interested in finding out a little bit more was because his manager previously had actually committed suicide at the Hotel Majestic. Now, this brings up a really interesting question, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. However, I do want to recount some of the things that were happening as I arrived on property. Now, again, this was in the middle of May. I was there for five, uh, five days, four nights, and as I arrived on property, it was interesting because that day some things already started to happen. Now, when I come into a place that has high spiritual energy, usually also has high degree of strangeness and uncertainty, then I come in and it's almost a declaration. My presence is disruptive in that my attunement with my own spiritual energy, my own intuition is already in a place of high frequency. And so just imagine, for example, a ship that is going through the water, right? It cuts through the water, creates wakes as it moves. And so similarly, I'm often shielded. And so especially when I begin to reach out with my intuitive senses, that inevitably contacts those types of energies. Now, generally speaking, these types of spiritual energies, we're talking about ghosts and hauntings and things of that nature, are operating within an internal feedback loop, meaning that they operate in almost a reality, a pocket dimension almost, of their own creation that runs alongside of our reality. So at that point of death, right? If we look at energy not being able to neither be created nor destroyed, it's got to transfer. It has to transition. And so at that moment of death, then our mental body, right? Sort of this culmination of our own consciousness, then can leave our physical body. And in doing so, generally speaking, is able to transition almost like uploading a file into a digital cloud back into our own higher awareness. Now, sometimes this doesn't always happen. Things at the moment of death, whoever we were, whatever we were experiencing, whatever connections we may have, can act as an obstruction or a tether to this world, which can often mean that we don't fully transition now, at the same time, that awareness doesn't necessarily continue to develop. It pauses, it halts, it stops in terms of its own level of development and is in that state 
at death in post-death as it transitions into a quote-unquote spirit then will continue to stay and operate not just in that same level of awareness it will also become more augmented almost like having a headache whatever it is that was the point of focus at that time of death becomes even more so the case as that focus becomes more intensified and to a certain degree identified with and so as i was expanding my awareness into all of this then that first spirit that i encountered the female the alpha who had a whole lot of uh, anger yet sadness bitterness um, had also the magnitude of energy that it needed to interact with the world around it now that first day when i had arrived i had as i had said there were some things that were happening as my own energy fields were disrupting the more homeostatic if you will quote unquote energetic state of the hotel now homeostatic means that the spirits were operating in and of themselves in a feedback loop of their own creation and my presence if you will disrupted that and so uh she started to act out now when i arrived the person that i had spoken to initially was the manager however i asked if i could also talk to the other employees and so i did and in day two of my stay there i interviewed a few of the employees and got some really interesting feedback both of personal experiences where in the bar there had been an incident an incident with one of the workers there the bartender at the time who had been operating at uh, initially the front desk and then had transitioned to working at the bar and had recounted a few different incidences where one bottles that they would have of alcohol that were stored in boxes in their storage room would just explode the cap the cover would just pop straight off and alcohol would come streaming out of the bottles in another incident we'll call her c um was at the bar and was holding some glasses as she was cleaning and had turned her attention away from the glasses and then heard just like a popping sound and turned to look into her hands and the two glasses that she was holding had shattered in her hands now high weirdness obviously however one thing to identify is the amount of energy that is required for a ghost to be able to interact with the physical world is pretty tremendous and so if they are able to touch and to engage and to interact with physical objects whether that be a glass or an actual person then there is a lot of energy to this entity so that day that i was there one of the things that c had reported was that on that day that i had arrived that there was an incident in the dining room now the dining room of the hotel majestic has a chandelier and has some other lighting that is lined up against the sides of the walls and what she had noted was that it was odd she had seen that a light bulb had popped out of one of the chandelier heads 
And so it was odd because, you know, not only is it screwed in, the light bulb also needs to go past the cover of the actual chandelier head itself. And so as she started to look around on some of the videos, you know, how did this even happen? She noticed that on one of the cameras, it was just out for 15 minutes. Like nothing was being recorded, which is very odd because it's a hotel. They have cameras all over the place and those cameras are recording 24-7. This was odd because they hadn't had any real incidences with the cameras up until that point. Now, on another camera, another instance of high weirdness was the camera itself continued to be distorted for that same 15-minute period. Now, I'll link this to my show notes so you can actually see what the actual video footage itself looks like. However, the camera itself focused on the dining room continued to have these distortions where there is a clear interference with the camera itself. It gets wobbly, the image gets distorted, and it continues on for the entirety of the 15 minutes. Now, again, odd. No such instances with the cameras up until that point, at least for her, this person again, C, who had not experienced anything like that until that day. Now, in the course of my stay, there would be more instances, things that had happened, one being the elevator just completely stopped working. Now, again, this was built in at least the building in 1902. The elevator is somewhat antiquated. However, Again, it was not something that had happened on the regular. As old as the elevator was, it was sturdy. And all of a sudden, on day three of my stay there, the elevator stopped working. And nothing in terms of any discernible reason why, it just did. Something personal for me, at least, was the demagnification of my key cards. So there was a night worker, and again, most of my investigation started around 9 or 10 p.m. and went until the morning about 6 or 7 a.m. And on one night in particular, my car demagnetized about four times. Now, it was interesting because the worker at that time, we'll call him T, was asking, dude, what the hell are you doing? And at that time, I hadn't really told him because, you know, it's kind of odd. I want to make sure that I'm not disrupting or creating fear in the people around me, especially those who are working there. However, this is now at this point 2.45 a.m. and he and I are the only ones awake. And so I told him that I was there in terms of this investigation and some of the things that were happening means that I am coming into contact with these, with these ghosts. Now, as I said, when we transition in death, that is a transference of our energy. So there is an electromagnetic frequency, a resonance in and of itself of our awareness when we transition. Now, if we look at a hotel key card, there is a code that is put on and is something that is sensitive, very much like some of our credit cards, to electromagnetic frequency. So as I was doing my investigation, stirring the pot, uh, and eventually agitating this ghost, uh, she acted in accordance 
with disrupting things around her as well. Which brings us back to who is this? Right? If we're talking about the Lady Lisa, who at least was reported to have been incredibly happy at her time, probably the happiest, some would say, that she had ever been in her life with her home and her stay at the Hotel Majestic, then why would she be acting in such a way to, to a certain degree, um, scare and influence those around her? As I was discussing this point with another friend, we'll call her A, also highly intuitive, someone that has incredible empathic gifts. Her feel sense into it was similar to what I was experiencing. Now, one thing I want to point out here is that when we talk about intuition, there are generally four types. I am what I would call energetic. There are also kinesthetics, those who have a high body awareness, also highly attentive to the physical world around them. There are psychics who are more in tune with information, concepts, and constructs, able to interact with data and be able to perceive that at distance and through time. Also, there are those who are empathic. We often identify that as a matter of more emotional intuition. However, it's also tied to experiential aspects of life. So these experiences in life and in different lives can tie to the emotions that we experience and so can also, to a certain degree, move through time as well. Now, as an energetic, I'm sort of all three and have my own field as well, meaning that I can tap into those aspects of body awareness, to those aspects of psychic and empathic, However, one thing that I'm really quite uh, attuned to and with is being able to track energy. And so being able to touch an object like a rock or a stone or a wall and be able to read into or rather feel into what energetic information, imprints, and uh, frequencies might be held within that object. And so coming full circle back to A, as she felt into things, uh, dug in a little bit in terms of some of the other things that have happened at the Hotel Majestic and was critical in being able to find out who this entity was. So as it turns out, prior to the suicide death that claimed a previous manager at the Hotel Majestic, there was another suicide back in 1908. A young woman, we'll call her E, had fell onto some hard times in her life and had gone to the Hotel Majestic to claim her own life. And so in doing so, committed suicide at the hotel itself and ultimately became trapped within the walls of the Hotel Majestic. Now, when this happens, when we are in a place of high emotionality at that point of death, it can anchor us into a place. Kind of think of tetherball, right? There is a pole in the middle, a rope that a tie uh, fixes and ties to the ball itself. And irrespective of how hard we can actually hit the ball, 
inevitably it's in a fixed location. There's only so far that it can go. Now, similarly, when we have this kind of incident at that point of death, it can be affixed to a location. Now, that being said, there is a capacity to transition from that point. And there was something else that was going on that I hadn't quite put my finger upon yet that was affecting all three of these ghosts. Now, this ghost, E, again, we'll call her, knew that I was aware of her. And this was something different because everyone that had been coming to stay and really coming to interact with the ghosts at the Hotel Majestic, or the ghost at the Hotel Majestic, had always thought it was somebody else, Lady Lisa. Now, that second spirit that I had felt, again, more dim than the first, and that really is just a magnitude of energy that that consciousness had, was still there. So she was still absolutely there. However, it was interesting because these two entities didn't really interact with each other because they weren't necessarily aware of each other. Kind of think of a radio station. You could have... You know, some kind of music, maybe classical music playing on 98.5 on your FM station. And you could have a completely different type of music, let's say reggae perhaps at 101.7. And another one entirely, perhaps ethnic or talk radio at 103.2. Now, all of these are frequencies and very similarly, entities, ghosts, spirits can operate at different frequencies. And unless there is some way to actually bridge that gap, they can operate concurrently with each other and have no idea that they even exist. Which was the case of our third entity, the male. This was the one hopeless, feeling sensations of desperation, and was indeed the previous manager who had committed suicide. Now, since 1908-ish, this first entity, E, was there. And as such, did not really present much of an influence on the people who would stay because often it was a hotel stay. People would come and they would go. And even as they came and as they went, they weren't staying at the hotel 24-7. Much like would happen on a trip of some sort, Hotel is for sleeping, for resting, and often we go out and about on our day to explore, to adventure, to work, whatever it is that we are there to do. However, this manager worked at the hotel and was living at the hotel itself as well. This is where things get to be a little bit more complicated. It's like exposure to anything, mold within a house, um, toxins within water i mean even sitting underneath fluorescent lighting you know that vibrates or operates at a frequency of 60 hertz and we hear that right the knee of that lighting and when we are subject to a frequency over time continually there is a cumulative stress that can exist this can affect our nervous system this can affect our levels of stress. This can affect our mind and how we perceive things. And so this last figure, trapped as well, 
was subject to the radiance, to the influence, and to the frequency of the spiritual energy that existed within this place. Now, in and of itself, that can have an effect. However, one thing that I noticed as I expanded my awareness and also further with my investigation was just the magnitude of energy that was in this place. Going further with some other experiences, things had happened uh, in reporting. One of the other hotel employees had said that she had, on one of her first days on the job, had been told that there was a pool of water in one of the guests' rooms. Now, she reported this to the manager at the time, and later that day, the guests who had left in the morning to report this to her on their way out had come back at some point in the day and on their way back out had thanked her for being able to take care of the pool of water that was in their room. Now, as she then reported back to her manager, he had said, well, that's odd because they were short-staffed that day and he hadn't actually dealt with the issue yet. So, almost magically, the water that had pooled in the room itself had on its own, quote-unquote, disappeared. Come to find out that the ghosts, these guests at the Majestic, were actually doing things with a piping, with water, different sounds that are coming through the pipes, water that would be coming out of the faucets, both at the sink as well as within the tub, and were affecting things in a way that allowed that to actually pool. Now, it's one thing for a ghost, for an entity, to be able to interact with other electromagnetic frequencies, such as a camera. It is something else entirely to be able to interact with the flows of water for a number of reasons. However, the energy that's required to actually influence not just the pooling of water, not just it coming out of the faucets themselves, finding its way down to the ground and then away again is tremendous. And so this was curious because if then there is that capacity, as we've heard with the bottles, as we've heard with the shattering glass, as we've heard with then the pooling of water, that means that these spirits, these entities, have a magnitude of energy that is powerful as it is profound. This is not your regular everyday ghost we're talking about. Your average disincarnate spirit does not have the horsepower to be able to exercise that kind of influence on physical reality. So something else was happening here as well. As I continued then to dig a little bit deeper into this entity, the first, again, alpha, we'll call her E, in terms of what exactly her purpose was in staying there, it was an energy of anger, of bitterness, and as I spoke of previously, whatever state we're in at that point of death, we stay in as we pass and can augment very much like a slow headache was very much where she was and unfortunately still is. 
for Lady Lisa, ghost number two, she was more lighthearted. This was a place that she wanted to be. She was choosing in to be because she was happiest in this place. And so that energy that some would come to identify as whimsical and more carefree was definitely there. However, was a magnitude lower in terms of energy than our alpha E. Lastly, the previous manager who was stuck as well held an energy of sadness, of depression, and that was something that was underlying all these other energies. So as such, then, came into questions of how to support these three entities in transitioning, which inevitably led to the question of how were they stuck here in the first place. It's one thing for a person to transition and to find themselves sort of freeze-framed in a very specific location and proximity. It's another for that to happen to three separate entities. And so one thing I noted is that there was a high amount of electromagnetic frequency in this place. I mean, I felt it. First walking into the Hotel Majestic, I felt it. And I took note of it because there are some places in the world that are what I would identify as hotspots. Think of Wi-Fi connection, right? Often we are just doing our own thing and we have varying degrees of reception. And there are certain places that have Wi-Fi that we can tap into. Now, this Wi-Fi then allows things to stream more easily. We have greater capacity because now we're able to access a higher speed in terms of that connectivity. Which is great because what might take, you know, two hours to download could take five minutes. Now, similarly, there are these points around the Earth these nodes on the planetary grid network that exists. Now, you can kind of think of this as the nervous system of the Earth itself. Some identify it generally as the Schumann resonance, which we can actually see that resonant frequency day-to-day, moment-by-moment, is something that is affected by large-scale planetary events, Things like large elections or worldwide meditations or things of that nature. And is also subject to off-planet influences like coronal mass ejections or solar flares. Now, if that's the general aspect of it, very similar to our own nervous system, there are larger branches if we look at the spine, if we look down the length of the nervous system, that branch out into smaller little areas that go all the way down you know, the length of our legs and arms to our hands and fingers. And these areas, these nodes, if you will, are able to, when we plug into it or just find ourselves in proximity with it, allow a higher sense of both intuition and connection because of the level of resonant frequency that it actually puts out, very much like Wi-Fi or hotspots. 
And so as I started to go into this, well, perhaps it's a hotspot. Perhaps this is an area that has an geopathic node. So that took me into a very different direction. If my intention was really to allow these ghosts, these entities to transition, which is always my intention on any types of these intuitive investigations, then I got to also figure out, well, what's keeping them here and how do I allow them to transition from it? Well, this took me in a very different direction because as I started to look at the city of San Francisco, as I started to look even further back in the history of the indigenous peoples, I started to come in contact with something that I wasn't anticipating. The touch and the influence of the natural geopathic energies, the history of death in that area through the colonizing history of California and an actual constructed manufactured grid that existed that allowed the energies of the city itself, the people, the movement, the bioelectric resonant frequency of the populace to be collected, to be contained, and to use this energy to create an influence on not just the city itself, but for larger, more curious ambitions of one of the most romanticized and well-known secret societies of them all.